Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. Our Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians 2, 13-16. When I'm done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. Please, let's all respond by saying, thanks be to God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 16. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they also heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah that sounds like, sound like my voice. The God, of, God speaking. God speaking. Yes. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us. This is your um, first time. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, if you've just started worshiping with us in this venue, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. So we've been doing a series that we titled Wait. Like, wait, wait, wait. And what, what comes to your mind when you hear wait? What comes to your mind? Lagos traffic. Lagos traffic. <laughs> first, first queues, right? You wait, wait on the queue. You don't know when you are going to get fuel. You don't know if the fuel is going to finish just before your car gets there. Wait. Or you wait there. There's no hope. It's not setting. But this series, that's not the kind of, we're not waiting like we're waiting on fuel queues. That is not the wait we're describing. The wait we're describing here is a wait that has hope. There's something effectual, something effective about this wait. That what is coming at the end of this wait is sure banker, it's guaranteed. And so we've gone through the text from chapter 1 and chapter 2, and now we're at this point where Auntie Delmo just read to us. You see, um, we in Lagos, we're waiting, yes, on fuel queues. We're waiting at bus stops because there are no fuel. We're waiting in the office because our subordinates and colleagues are getting late to work. But some other people are waiting in more serious circumstances. You don't have to think too much. You can check your Twitter um, and you know. Read the news and then you know what people are waiting for. You see, this week, it made me think because I saw something. Um, So on Twitter, right, someone posted that due to those people waiting in Ukraine. How many of us have been waiting for the Ted O'Anoms to come? Ted and Trisha. Are they here today? Are they going to come today? They are coming today. They are on their way. They are on their way. Let's give glory to God for that. So, by God's mercy, the Anums are one of the few who are able to have shortened their weight. Their weight is here. But there are so many more in that country who are still waiting on God's mercy, waiting on God's deliverance. Many more. People who can't leave because they don't have anywhere else to go. You know, Tedo has a lot to come back to here. He has us. He has creators. He has a lot to come back to. His job, his work, his friends, everything. But so many people don't have anywhere to go, so they are waiting there. They don't know when this war is going to end. And then out of all this, someone came on Twitter and he said, this one news article, and he put it and said, you see, we're not just waiting for this war to end. You see, we're going to be waiting for a lot of stuff, 
not just in this war, but even long after this war, five years, ten years down the line. And one of you are going to be waiting for the article said that there is going to be wheat shortage. And wheat is just one of the things we are going to be waiting for. There's going to be a lot of food shortage. There are different implications, whether we see for economics, for agriculture, for um, social well-being. There's going to be a lot of waiting that's going to be done. And then someone else retweeted. He quoted that, that article, and then he put this. His name is Andy Crouch. He says, ah, I thought that Yuval Harari, and if you don't know Yuval Harari, Yuval Harari is the author of the book called Sapiens, History of Humankind. Bestseller, killed everywhere, New York Times, everything, money, plenty. This guy is a weird guy. Like, this guy spends 30 days every year in meditation to see these ideas so that I can get these, these realities, these pictures. And when he puts them to book, sell out. Invite him to speak everywhere, clear everywhere. So he's highly respected. In the tech world, he's highly respected. In economics, he's highly respected. In sociology, he's respected everywhere. So Andy Crouch, a Christian writer, is respected too, but respects past respect. <laughs> but he's respected. I respect him. And this is what he says. He says, Yuval, I thought Yuval Harari, who now also wrote Omodeos, in his book Omodeos, called A Brief... Um, a Brief History of Tomorrow. I thought he said in that book that famine, war, and plagues are over. They'll come to an end. We're not going to be bothering about those things now. The thing we should be bothering about now is the upgrading of humans to gods. That's, what we, that's what's next. Wars are no longer the agenda. Famine is no longer the agenda. Plagues like COVID is no longer the agenda. He wrote this book in 2015. And there was no response. Why was there a response? Because, <laughs> because despite all the wisdom and ideas that this guy has, this guy's word is merely the word of a man. It's man's word. Pure man's word. As lofty and as sweet sounding and as deep as the source is, it's mere human words. But what we're going to see today is what the word of God really is. That the word of God, unlike, the, unlike human words, works as power is effective, is potent, is productive. The word of God, the writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the acts. He said nothing in this whole wide world, nothing, nothing. 2010, 2025, Nigeria... Elf, Ukraine, Russia, nothing escapes this all-revealing, all-seeing word of God. The word of God works. The word of God works. The word of God works. And so we're going to see four things today. I tried my best. I tried my best. I said, I no longer want to be a prodigal son. I want to come back home to my father. My father and the Lord. I try my best to make it three points. But my father has a father. My father has a father. My father has a father. So, his father said that it should be four points. <laughs> Why does it work? Why does the word of God work? One. Who does it work for? Two. How does it work? Three. And what does it do? Why does it work? Who does it work for? How does it work? And what does it do? You see, yes, there is a war between Russia and Ukraine. Why does it work? You see, there is a war between Russia and Ukraine, yes. But in this text, there is a war. A war that is more important. A war that is beneath the war, beneath Russia and Ukraine's war. And we see it in the text. If you look at that text closely, can we bring it up? You see what it says? It says that Paul was thankful because when the people of God received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as the word of God. There is a word war. A W-O-R-D war. There's a word war going on in this text. It's, 
It's a war between human word and God's word. It's in this word, this word means logos in Greek. And logos refers to the common foundation. When the Greeks use it, you see, it refers to the common foundation and makes sense of the world. Like when you strip the old world, everything in this world, when you strip it of its essence, when you remove everything, Logos is what you need, what is what you're going to see. Logos is the thing that holds everything together. Logos is reality. And if this Logos is what holds everything together, if this Logos is what determines what is true and then what is wrong or what is lie, this Logos should shape who we become and how we live. So these guys living in Thessalonica, what's happening there? Traveling speakers and philosophers, they will come. They'll parry themselves. That was Pastor showed us last week, comparing the true leaders from the first leader. You see, these first leaders, they will come. Travis speakers, philosophers, people like Yuval Harari. They will come, they'll parry themselves, they'll share ideas. And what are ideas? Ideas are assumptions about reality. Ideas are assumptions about what is true, about the world. So they'll come, they'll share ideas. You see, this is what, this is, what is, is real. This is how you should live your life. This is who you should become. Sharing all kinds of ideas. But what did Paul call them in from, verse, from chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. What did Paul refer to that? He says, these philosophers, these ideas, see what he calls them. He says, they are tricks, errors, impure motives, flattery. He said, they are guesswork. They are all lies. Because they do not work. Do they work? Do they make us happy? Do they make us live a flourishing life? Do they make us live a thriving life? No. They are all reality. You see, it doesn't always have to be as deep as the war between Russia and Ukraine. Sometimes the war going on in our hearts, the world war going on in our hearts, going on in our own lives. You know, where you have come to believe what is untrue, what is unreality, what is not in line with God's word, with this logos that is true. You see, when you tell yourself, for instance, a lady who tells herself that I am unworthy of love, I am ugly, and I'm unlovable. And it might have come from watching or seeing over and over Instagram pictures or Instagram highlight reels. Or it might have come from a breakup that she had that was so terrible, that was so disastrous. And has made her feel like, no. Or maybe it come from her parents. Her mom has always made her feel that way because of harsh words and terrible words that she says to you. And so you've come to now believe this lie that you are ugly and you are unworthy of love. But see this, if the Logos refers to what is at the center of everything, what holds everything together, then if we believe that God is the one that created everything and holds it all together, then the word of God is reality and human word are ideas that don't correspond to reality, they are lies. It means that God's word is congruent, God's word is, is, at, is, is in line with is wisdom, because he's the creator of the world, is in line with his good intentions for us, is in line with his wise and loving design for us, so God's word will work. It works. You see what Isaiah 55 verses 9 to 11 says about the word of God? It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see what God is doing. See what word there? He's saying, there's a, just look at the war between my words and your words, between my thoughts and your thoughts, between my ways and your ways. But go on, look at his difference between his own word. He says, well, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bird and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The word of God works. If rain falls on the ground and sees and it will flourish, you see, that is as sure as my word, like nature that I designed, my word works. 
The word works. It gives us meaning. It makes us happy. You see what he said? He said the apostles gave thanks to God because the word of God was working out of his people. The word of God makes us happy. The word of God can lead to a happy, thankful, grateful life. Is that not what we are looking for? A good life for us and for everyone because it is reality. It is reality. But often, reality is waiting you see when you hide on clear. That is the problem. Reality is waiting you see when you hide on clear. It's like Tommy Wah walks into a place. Tommy Wah, I've not used you before. <laughs> so Tommy Wah walks into a place. This is reality. Reality. Tommy Wah walks into a place and he goes in and says, he sees different kinds of instruments and equipment and everything. He's never been to this place before. And then he's, he asks, eh, please, wh- what is this place? And what do they do here? And they tell him, eh, it's a gym. Tommy has never been to a gym before. <laughs> so, it's a gym, eh? So he carries one of these and says, what is this place? It's a gym, helps you, eh? He walks here and says, okay, what about this one? He says, this one, it's food. And then, Tommy says, okay, that's fine. I want to use that one. And then Tommy what goes to that one. You know that particular one? That one that has bench. And then there's now stuff and two heavy, heavy things on the side like this. And Tommy lies down. First time. And then the guy, the guy is trying to remove the stuff on the side. He's removing it. Tommy said, no, leave it. Add more. So they had more here. They had more here. They had more. Add more. When it's enough, I will tell you. They had more, they had more. And then when it's in, it's now like how he likes it. Then Tomoa tries to lift it up. For some weird reason. Maybe he just came out from church and Pastor has preached anointing. He was able to carry it up. But whatever goes up does not always come down. <laughs> so Tomoa is here. And Tomoa is he's screaming. He said, oh, please, please. Please, please. What has happened to Tomoa? Reality has hit him. <laughs> Reality has done what? Dawned on him. His frame, his body, his makeup, his lack of experience, and everything about Tomiwa cannot make him carry that. But he chose to ignore reality and choose lies that are in his head and it didn't work out for him. <laughs> you see, God says, simple, very simple. See reality. See God's word, reality. God says, flee sexual immorality. Simple word. Flee sexual immorality. That is reality. Because it's God's word. He knows your design. He knows the good intentions that he has for you. And he says, flee sexual immorality. But no, I say, I say no, no. I'm not really going to dabble in other stuff. I will, in fact, just be in my house. I don't have to do anybody. I'm not going to harm anybody. I'm not going to do anybody any wrong. I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to do anything. I'll just stay back in my house. I'm not even going to load anything. I'm not going to free. And I'll watch porn. I'll watch it. I'll watch it, download, you know, get it from people. I'm, never, I'm not going to do anything bad. I just watch one, there's nothing wrong there, everything is just fine. I'm not disturbing disturbing anybody. And you watch it, and the more you watch it, the more you see that you like it, and the more you see, huh, why have they been saying this thing is not good? And in fact, now that I'm watching it, I feel like I'm even more prepared. When I marry, <laughs> she will see. You will know. Uh-uh. What, are they, what is even there? Look at, look at them. They're even enjoying it. He's walking, ah, look at him having fun, happy, look at him posing for the camera. Oh, he's walking. But do you know? Do you know that, you see, we can say a lot about, oh, how what porn does to our bodies, what porn does to our minds, how porn makes us addictive, all over, all over again. No, but that's just one part. Do you know that pornography is highly connected to sex trafficking? Do you know that most of the women who participate in pornography have been coerced to do so? Oh, they are laughing on camera. No, it's because they are forcing them to laugh. If they don't laugh, they might kill them. 
They might shoot them. They might jail them. They might kill their families. Do you know that most of those girls that are in pornography, they look like they are old and they, are, they know what they are doing. But most of them are adolescents and young girls. Do you know that most of the girls in that pornography, do you know many of them were sexually abused when they were young? Do you know that because of that, they lost a sense of self-esteem and self-worth? So they are easily brought into, into what they thought, oh, I'm going to work, I'm going to do my family, and they brought them into this ring. They were trafficked, and they became prostitutes, and then they became objects for your own pleasure and enjoyment. So pornography, which is just normal, has everything to do with prostitution, and then has everything to do with sex trafficking. You are just behind your system and behind your laptop, behind your phone, but you are a major player in the sex trafficking industry. You have believed a lie, a big lie, and it's not working. But the word of God that says, flee sexual immorality works. The word of God works. Why does the word of God work? Because the word of God is reality. It is because it is reality. My second point, who does it work for? Who does it work for? And the two things I want us to see here is that it works for those who accept it and it works for those who believe. Those who accept and those who believe. You see, it says that you see, when you receive the word of God, you did not accept it as human word. You did not accept it as the word of man, but you accepted it as the word of God. Accept, receive, accept. Yeah, receive is like, receive is different. You see, accept is to appropriate the word that you receive. Accept here means, you see, receive means to take the word of God. What you accept is to take to it. Accept here as a sense of the word welcome. It has something to do with hospitality. It means that, oh, it means welcome, like to greet somebody gladly. To expect somebody coming, somebody that is pleasing. That is welcome. Um, you know that thing that they would do before, um, so you're planning to get married. You're planning to get, oh, married. You're planning to get married. So they're planning to get married. Um, well, different differences will happen. You're a Nigerian man, you're a Yoruba woman, you definitely have to do, uh, you do introduction, then blah, blah, and then you do traditional marriage. But this is like a combining the two. So traditional marriage introduction. So, but this is the best part, one of the funniest parts, sweetest part about the traditional marriage introduction. So they'll do all this singing, Alaga, Alaga, we'll collect money, that they already paid her full money, she will still collect her money, blah, blah, blah. blah. They will tell her, if you keep collecting money, we will not give you your balance. They say, you're not serious. <laughs> she will still do all those things. But the main part is that part where it's funny, right? Sometimes it's funny, but, but it makes sense now. So that part, they will not say, okay, husband, stand up. People are for shit and tired. Your wife is dirty. All your wives are not working. So people will not stand. They will not see the guy who's standing in front. The guy will not stand in front. They will not start saying, okay, let the wife come. Let the woman come. And so, woman, the woman wife will come, blah, blah, blah. Then they will ask the man, is she the one? The guy will say, no, he's not the one. Okay, you know, dance, you collect money again. <laughs> or for you to collect money. You have not gone to one way, like 10 women. What is happening? I like going to chop. That's what's happening. <laughs> so, they will do another one will come. They will ask the man, is she the one? He said, no, no, she's not the one. They'll keep me, keep me, keep me. Is she the one? No, she's not the one. And then finally, the one will come. She'll warm, she'll strut, struts. And the guy's already smiling. Everybody laughing in their hair. People are saying, I beg you, she'll answer us, Jare. Before Uncle, she's not the one. So, so the woman will strut and come. And then, and the guy will say, oh, Yeah, this is the one. This is the one. And they will open up. You know, whatever happens after, this is the one. <laughs> Man, I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be happy. 
I, I married when I, I, when I married, it was, I was too young. I wasn't self-aware. I deserve to be happy. This marriage is not working. I, I've seen life now. I've seen life now. I now know that there are better, there's a better woman out there for me. So I think I'm, I'm going to divorce my wife. Word of men. But God says, husbands, love your wives. Treat her like Christ treated the church. Let no man put you asunder. Word of God. Which is the one? Which is the one, guys? Which is the one, guys? Which is the one, guys? The word of God is what is the one. Oh, cohabitation. If I don't live with this woman, with this man, how will I know her very well? How will I understand that we're compatible? How will I know that she's the one for me? Ah, no, I have to do this. But then, what of men? Do not awaken love when it's not ready. Word of God. Which is the one? I'm not forcing you. Let me show you. I'm not forcing you. The word of God is the one. Let me show you. You see, it's been shown clearly now, over and over again. Even people that are not for it, people that are not for divorce, even people that are not for cohabitation, they are showing again and again. My wife just sent me an article, Wall Street Journal, that says those that cohabit, they are less likely to marry, like research done over years, over decades. Those who are cohabit are less likely to marry. They are more likely to divorce, and they are most likely to have long-term trust issues. The word of God is the what? Is the one. Divorce. <laughs> Divorce has been shown to disproportionately profit men. Destroy not just the life of the woman, but then destroy the lives of their children. They never hardly recover from what has been done to them. Guys, the word of God is what? Is the one. This business will fail because everything that I do will fail. Word of men. I am only as good as I am successful as a writer. Word of men. But Songs of Solomon says, I am his beloved and his desire is toward me. Word of God. The word of God is the one. I can never be a good parent. Word of men. My mother is the problem of my life. Word of men. Oh, but yet this. For before the foundations of the world, God has established me to do good works. Oh, even if my earthly father gives me poison, fish, stone, poison, when I ask for fish and bread, my heavenly father will not deprive me of good gifts. Word of God. The word of God is the word, is the one. I don't want to lie. But if I don't lie, I won't make it. Word of men. All my mates are made. I'm the only one left. All my mates, all my colleagues have made it. And I'm the only one left. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor build what? In vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, those that watch over the city watch in vain. Word of God. Which is the one? The word of God is the one. You see, guys, so how do you accept this? Is it the word of God is the one. How do you accept this? How do you accept this? How do you accept it practically? You see, this is one practice. When you have this word war in your mind, when you have this word war in your mind, in your body, in your soul, in your spirit, you have this word war, that war, you're saying, oh, this, I don't know, no, no, no. If I don't lie, I won't make it, blah, blah, blah. Even when it comes, what you need to do to make the word of God work, you see, this is it. You find a corresponding is it an idea in God's word that corresponds to reality, the reality of God that says, no, unless the Lord build the house, the gate of heaven, you bring it, 
Not that you begin to meditate, not that you begin to study it, not that you begin to try to say what is the doctrine, the theology with this. As that thought, the word of man is building up and blowing your head, you carry this word of God and you replace it. You don't try to negotiate with it. You don't try to fight it. You don't try to struggle. Instead of thinking this word of man, you think the word of God. Just think scripture. Oh, when you find this word, you write it down in your journal. You scribble it in your notes. And then each time, because it's a war, it continues. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how long you are waiting for. When it comes back to you, you take this word. You remind yourself. You put it to memory so that each time it comes, you replace it. You think this word. You just think this word in your head. And you do it over and over. You do it continuously. You do it consciously. Brothers and sisters, this has won the battle. This has won the war in the lives and minds of brothers and sisters across the century, across the years. This is a proven practice. This is a proven practice in my life. You see, for those of us who are okay, no, maybe that is not. You see, however, it is that you take it. For some of us, is we just want to, you, you just have to memorize the word of God. You memorize it. You take one, two, three verses, you memorize, you store it up in your head. Oh, every three times a week, and then over the course of a month, you have that one stored. But for some of us, is reading out the word of God aloud. You see, early church, before they have this Passover service, what they used to do is they would read the word of God aloud. So in Ezra and Nehemiah, we see this. The word of the prophet of God will come. People have wandered astray. They've lost the word to culture. They've lost the word to all the words of the surrounding nation about, around them. And what did God asked Ezra to do? He said, bring back the old word. Bring it, dust up the book. And then read this word aloud in front of all the people. And what do we see as the word of God was read? These people wailed uncontrollably. They wailed uncontrollably, bringing them back to God. Oh, the word of God is winning. You see, in the early church, sometimes, before they start the Passover, they would take just the songs of songs, the songs of Solomon, and they would read it before the start of the Passover. Why? Because they wanted to remind themselves that they are the beloved of God. Oh, when you get to that part where he says, he says, I am his beloved, and his desire is towards me. They want to know that, ah, every other person, all other people are trying to say, oh, no, this is how I get my love, this is who you are. No, 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 no. Who I really am is... I am his beloved, and his desire is towards me. Our brothers and sisters in this church are doing it. See, Paul was grateful for this church, that they were accepting the word of God as the word of God. There are several people in this church. We've heard, some of us may have heard, some of us are part of the Bible study bodies. Oh, my gratitude goes to God. I know God is happy. I'm not just happy, but God is also grateful that you, brothers and sisters, are encouraging one another, provoking one another to study the word of God. You have recognized, indirectly or directly, that you are at war. And you are taking the word of God seriously. May God continue to bless that practice and those groups that it will grow and mightily prevail in their lives, in their communities, in this church, in the name of Jesus. You see, the next thing is, those who believe. Who does it work for? Those who believe. You must understand that, let's pull up Acts 17. This was when Paul first got to this Thessalonica. It's when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went to the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This is Jesus and proclaiming to his Messiah. He said, continue. It says, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. You see, there were many people in the synagogue, but none of them were believers. So many of us might be here, or many of us might be attending church, or some of you have been watching online, you follow, continue. It doesn't mean that the word of God works for you, because you might not be a believer, though you've been moving and strolling around church circles. What is the mark of these believers? You see, the first thing we see that they were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas. The first mark is that they joined other believers. They joined other believers. You see, the way the word of man has its power, like one of the major ways is, is the, the devil uses to make the word of man have effect of our life is by isolating us. It's a perennial skill, it's a perennial trick of the devil. What did he do to gain war, to win the war in the Garden of Eden? What did he do? 
He isolated Eve from Adam. If some of us read it as, oh, because she was a woman, that was why. Because she was a woman, you that people have told you when you are driving the car, somebody even thought that. Someone said, ah, you go be a woman where they drive the car and you are a man. <laughs> Best look at, ah, naive woman, ah, okay. <laughs> it is not a tale about gender. No, it is the idea that we are all prone to wonder when we are alone and when we are removed from the community of God's people. The word of men tends to have reign and power over us. You see, many of us, um, you know, think of the worst things that you've done. The worst things you've ever done. The worst things you've ever done. Just try to think. We've all done many. But just think of them. The worst things you've done. Most of the worst things you've done, you've done them alone. Or you've done them in the presence of a bad influence. Most of the worst things you've done. You've done them alone, or you've done them in the presence of a bad influence. You don't, you don't come and meet, have a meeting with Pastor Femi, and I, I have a meeting and I say, Pastor Femi, can we eat the club? No, you can't do that when you're with the pastor. <laughs> you can't be thinking of, eh, you are, <laughs> Pastor, am I lying? You're a good influence now. Eat the club, you don't know what it means. Let's praise God for Pastor Femi. <laughs> this is the kind of leaders that produce results. That's what we're talking about. See, you don't, during, it's not during GC. It's not during GC that you'll be thinking of. <laughs> or during pray as you go. Yes, some of us thought may wonder, thought may stray. No, but the community of believers and brothers and sisters guard us, reduce the risk so much of us venturing away or following the word of man. You see, the second thing about those who believe, second mark, is that they defy Caesar's decrees. They defy Caesar's decrees. You see, because the truth, you know, that's verse 7 of Acts, Acts 17. Because the truth is that we are able to believe and live out in our minds. We're very, we're very weird creatures. We can live out both the ideas that correspond to reality, and we can also believe and live out both the ideas that don't correspond to reality at the same time. So, the question is, it's saying that these believers, they defy Caesar's decrees. They defy. They went against the, the tide of their time. They went against the grain of their culture. They went, no matter how strong it was, because Caesar was so strong. This is the Caesar said that, you see, you guys, I'm going to make you guys autonomous. But what you must do is that you must put my idols, my statue everywhere in this city. As long as you worship me, I will leave you. But if you don't worship me, the shage that you will see, so, for these believers, despite that tie, that strong tie, that strong motive to follow Caesar, they defy Caesar's believers, Caesar's decrees. The people who the word of God work for must be people who are willing. We must be people who are willing to defy the tides, to defy the strong decrees, the so, such things that have been made like commands in our time, in our era, in our city, those things that make it very hard for us to eat the word of God. Things like busyness, smartphone addiction, Netflix and chill. We must make deliberate efforts to set our minds on reality. We like to yab our parents. We like to yab them. We like to tell them that they don't know what's up. They didn't know. They will say, the TV is devil's box. They will say, don't go to cinemas because that is the place that you will always meet bad gangs. They will say, all they do in cinema is watch pornography. All kinds of things that we like to help them for. They don't understand stuff. But we have gone the other way. We have become so freely given to the tides of our time. It's, there's nothing wrong 
It's all fine. There's, so far, you look for it. So far, I've seen this. It's not really R-rated. It's not really that. Blah, blah, blah. What's there in the phone? You know, all thing goes. But those who the word of God will work for must be people who are willing to say, though it may go, but I will defy this. I will ignore this so that the word of God can be at work in my life. Let me tell you this. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, months ago, rather, I got out with a, a number of friends uh, in this church. And, okay, what are we going to do? There are four of us. What are we going to do? We want to get more from the Word of God. We want to, you know, pray our life, Word. We want to, you know, get deep into this, blah, blah. And then more we met, I realized that, really, this is a challenge for most of us. The challenge for most of us is not that we don't go to our Bibles to read the Word of God to study. Some of us have that kind of practice. But the increasing challenge for many of us is that, we are going to the Bible and we are not able to see stuff. We are not getting blessed. We are not getting enriched. You go to the Bible, you open it, and then your mind is just running. There are so different things all over, all over your mind. You don't even know when you finish the four chapters. <laughs> no, for real, like this is a great struggle. You don't know when you finish. This is a re- you, let's not, let's put, read your Bible. No, let's even say you read. But you don't, you don't even know, you just pray and then you just go. You know, you can't even, the next day, you can't remember the chapter you read. You can't remember the major point. You can't remember what exactly you're supposed to do because of the word of God you read. Why? Because we have become too busy. We have become too addicted to our phones. We have become too given to Netflix and chill. That the words of men, the words of this culture, have, are shaping us, are molding us, are forming us, are making us see things in a particular way. That when we go into the word of God, we can't see reality. So, when somebody says, no, don't do too much of this. I know it's not so bad. The person is not saying it to castigate it, to condemn it. He's saying, ah, are you a child of God? Are you a believer? Are you somebody that wants to live according to the word of God? Hey, spending less and less on this will allow you to become more and more of what you want to be. Who do you want to be? Do you want the word of God to work in your life? So we spend time doing what? We spend time learning how to practice silence and solitude. We spend time how to learning how to clear our minds of clutter or clear our minds of all the, all the things that are anxieties, that are fears and our worries. And the more we begin to see, ah, no, really, I'm not, no, that's not me. That is, we spend time, four, five weeks we spent getting ourselves to be able to just even read one chapter of God's word and to glean truth. So guys, one way, this is maybe different of us are at different stages and different phases and different lines in our life, but I can say one practice, one short practice, proving over and over, is for you to say, first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning, before I hear the words of men, before I hear the words of God, before I hear all of these words on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on Instagram, on all of these places, I will go into the word of God first. I will talk to my God first. I will let him design and detect the rest of my day first. So guys, who does the word of God work for? Those that accept and those that believe the word of God. And brings me to my thought. How does it work? But how does it work? How does it work? See verse 14. Verse 14 says, you see, get shorter from here. Verse 14 says that you suffered by making us imitators. It says you suffered. Verse 14 of the text says you suffered. It says for this, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. Why? How, was, how did they become imitators? How were they imitators? It says you suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. You suffered. The parable of the sower makes this clear. When Jesus told the parable of the sower, he said, a man went to plant seeds. He spread seeds. He said, some fell by the wayside. He said, some fell on the thorny ground. He said, some fell stony ground. He said, all of them fell. And then he asked him, what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of this? Go to 20 to 21. Matthew 13. Jesus now defined it. He says, see, those that fell on the thorny ground are those who received the word, but... When trouble and persecution, the seed for the word can reverse to someone who hears the word of God. But when trouble or persecution comes, 
because of the word. Trouble and persecution comes because of what's of the word. Joseph is a believer. Joseph believed the word of God. Joseph wanted to follow the word of God. Joseph did not allow the things of this life to distract him. Joseph was serving in Potiphar's house, following the word of God. But what happens? Trouble and persecution came because of the word. What happened? Potiphar's wife came to him and said, hey. But Joseph gave Potiphar's wife Breakfast in bed. I'm busy break. He didn't give her breakfast. I mean, give her breakfast. In today's lingo, what is it? I don't even understand the breakfast. <laughs> did he give him give her breakfast or did he not give her breakfast? He gave her breakfast. People should not leave me alone now. He gave her breakfast. <laughs> I just speak English. <laughs> Joseph did not greed for the woman. <laughs> and then what happened? Fortify's wife gave him breakfast back because of the word. And where did, where did Joseph land? Joseph landed himself in cell. Trouble and persecution came because of the word. Oh, you heard the sermon. Leadership that produces results. Leadership that produces results. I have received the gift of administration. I'm going for this week to become a leader. And then that same week, last week, all of your subordinates came late. All. Trouble and persecution has come because of the word. The devil's a liar. <laughs> Leadership that produces results. And that same evening, your son, you've been reading him. Or the Bible Jesus storybook, the storybook of Jesus Bible, rhyme storybook Bible, and this Bible, everything, kill everything. You bless him at night, you speak words to him, everything. And then that very night, leadership of producers what you had. Your son decided to climb the TV. <laughs> Trouble and persecution has come what? Because of the word. Ah, you don't know kids that climb TV. Huh. <laughs> May God bless you with children that will show if you are a leader. That produces results. Amen. Amen. And some of us are wondering, you know, you urge courage. So you're thinking, I'm supposed to urge. I'm supposed to encourage. I'm supposed to comfort. I'm supposed to care for my subordinates, for my children, like a mother cares. For son, I'm supposed to empathize with them like a children among them. Yes, it has come. Now you are there. But think about this. But how do you know if you really believe in something, if you haven't suffered for it? How do you know if you believe in something? If it's only when in good times that you hold on to it, how do you really know if you are a leader that produces results when all we can see about your leadership is that your son goes to bed? Your son is just perfect. Your son is just, we don't know. Someone say, hey, I've never ever seen that spark like that before. Oh, trouble and persecution has come because of what? Of the word. But guys, before it gets discouraging, let's continue. He didn't just say they suffered. This word is very encouraging. He didn't just say they suffered. He said they suffered the same things. He says the words, they suffered the same. Can we say that together? They suffered the same things. Ah, he said you suffered from your own people the same things. The same things those churches suffered. Oh, so that when Paul and Silas were driven out of the synagogue because they didn't want to hide the truth, because they didn't want to edit the truth. When you were sent out of the small group clique because you wouldn't gossip about Sister B, you suffered what? The same things. You see, you want to become like Joseph. Or you want to become like Paul. You see, you have to become imitators, not just in what they practice, but you have to become imitators in the suffering. 
That is how the word works in you. Oh, so that when Stephen was stoned because he decided not to go with the crowd, and when you did not agree to your team's idea of inflating the bill, oh, and you received a terrible 360-degree appraiser, you suffered what? The same things. You're becoming more like God's people. Oh, when, when, when your BF, when your GF served you breakfast because you would not sleep with her, because you would not sleep with him. And when Joseph was served breakfast because she would, he would not lie with Potiphar. Oh, Paul is saying that you suffered the same things. Are you not encouraged? He's saying what you are suffering is what Paul suffered, is what Silas suffered, is what Stephen suffered, is what Jesus suffered, the prophet suffered. You are becoming an imitator of God's church. You are becoming a model church. You are becoming a model Christian. There is no other way. This is how the word of God works. Guys, the encouragement is not yet done. It's not yet done. Paul is so, so on the road here. So on the road here. You see, look what he says. He says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are where? In Christ Jesus. Which are what? In Christ Jesus. He's saying, You may live in a different time. You may be living in Ukraine. You may be living in Aja, in Jakonde, in the mainland. You may be working at Shell, and I may be working at Mama Put. He's saying, but our spiritual address is what? Is the same. Amen. Our spiritual address what? Is the same. He said, which are in Christ Jesus. The, the, the peculiarity of your suffering may be different. The people who are making you suffer may be different. Hey, the, the cause, the reason why you're suffering may be kind of different. But he's saying, you suffer the same things generally. You're suffering. He's saying, no, but you are in the same location as those people. They died 5,000 years ago. They died 2,000 years ago. They look as if they are older than you. They look as if they're going to make more than you. They look as if they are the Christians in the scripture and read of them and you are not. You look as if your life is failing. He said, no, but you are in the same spiritual address. So can you ask somebody, where do you live? Where do you live? If person says, can you respond? Where do you actually live physically? Where do you live? Where do you live? No, no, talk to somebody. Meet somebody today. Where do you live? Ask the person. When the person answers, you say, but where do you really live? But where do you really live? Ask the person, where is your spiritual address? Oh, I want us to answer correctly. Where is your spiritual address? So if all those churches made it, oh, if all those men made it, if all those women made it, if all those people are the cloud of witnesses surrounding us, hey, we are going to make it. Hey, it may look as if, no, I fell yesterday and I fell again today. How the word of God is not working. I lied again. I watched porn again. I shouted vigorously at my son. I smacked him again. He said, you are suffering the same things. You are in the same spiritual location. Last point. You've seen why the word of God works. You've seen who he works for, how he works. But what does he really do? What does he do in his essence? What does he do? What is his ultimate work? Because we've seen that if we do not accept the word of God, if we do not accept reality, we are doomed. We can see the effects in our lives. We know, yes, I know that I'm in the same spiritual address. I know that I'm secure. But I don't want to be feeling these consequences. How can I... You know, these consequences here and now, like, what does it mean? I'm not really sure if I'm ultimately doomed. He said, what can save us? Who can save us? 
Who can save us? What can save us from the hold that unreality has on us? Who can save us from the consequences of not accepting reality? What did Paul say in verse 16? Verse 16, it says, it says they, they displease God and they are hostile to everyone in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. Speaking, he's saying, this word, so that they may be saved. See, the hearing of God's word. The word of God comes to save, to save. But what was this word that Paul was speaking to these people? He said, if we go back to Acts 17, we see this word. In Acts 17, we see this word. What was Paul saying to them? He said, Paul from the scriptures explained and proved to them that what? That the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. He says, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. This is what Paul spoke to them. This Jesus is the Messiah. Paul is not the first to speak about him. Moses spoke about this Messiah in Numbers. The prophet Isaiah spoke about him. Jeremiah spoke about him. David in the Psalms spoke about him. Even places that were not directly speaking about him spoke about him. For Jesus was the new Adam. Jesus was the Adam. Jesus was the Adam because he became the one who gave us a new life. Jesus was the Eve because he was the ancestor of new life. He was the one that brought new life. Jesus was Joseph because he was the one who went ahead of his people and sacrificed himself so that many people can be saved. So everything was pointing to him. Paul says from the scriptures. All scriptures pointing to him. This is the point of the word of God. Jesus too said it when the guys were walking on the way to Emmaus. And then he was talking to them. They did not know. They did not know. They said at one point, from the scriptures, from the prophets, from all the books of the Bible, Jesus exposed to them all that had been said about the Messiah from the word of God. So listen. So if all these things that have been said about the Messiah, if all these things have been said that the Messiah is going to suffer and rise from the dead, if those things did not happen, what would scriptures be? A lie. Scriptures will be on reality. Scriptures will be like mere words of men. Scriptures will be like the words of Yuval Harari. Scriptures will be something that we shouldn't accept or believe or base our lives upon. Scriptures will just be mere human word. But Messiah, that word, Messiah, Messiah means the chosen one. Messiah means the anointed one. Messiah means the, 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 the appointed one. Messiah is the one. I know I said the word of God is the one. But if Jesus is not the one, the word of God cannot be the one. The word of God would be a lie. Because this is the main work of the word. This is the main work to save. Jesus had, had to. Supposed he said, You know, see Jesus survived. He said, Jesus had to. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to suffer the same things that you suffered. He became flesh and joy among us. He suffered the same things that we go through, the same things that the world makes us go through. Jesus had to suffer to save us from the old of unreality, from the old of lies. Jesus had to suffer to save us from the consequences of not accepting reality. And did it work? Did it work? Did it work? How do we know that it did work? You see, Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead. Jesus had to suffer and rise from the dead. Jesus had to rise from the dead to give us power. The ability to accept reality. The word of God. Jesus had to rise from the dead to ensure that the word of God works in us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Would you accept him? Would you welcome him like a special host? Would you welcome him with hospitality? Would you accept him? Would you obey his decrees? Would you defy Caesar's and obey his? 
The word of God works. Because Jesus walks. The word of God works because Jesus walks. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.